This week on the Recruitment Flex, does HR and talent acquisition need to break up? The top 15 most in-demand jobs in Canada. And your creative job titles are not helping anyone. The Recruitment Flex starts right after this message from our friends at AppCast. Shelly, you know how much I love programmatic advertising for recruitment. It saves so much time and effort in trying to figure out where I can get maximum exposure and value in advertising my jobs. Yeah, for sure. It is a game changer. And you know who I love too is AppCast. They are the leading programmatic job advertising platform that helps you reach the right candidates fast. Definitely. AppCast advanced targeting and real-time optimization technologies make sure that your job ads are seen by the most qualified candidate. Plus, they have a team of experts that's always there to support you and make sure you get the best results. It's so true, right? AppCast has just got the nicest people on staff. They're just a pleasure to work with. And tracking your job's performance in real time is the other big plus. Being able to see exactly what's happening, what's driving the applications, where they're coming for. And at the end of the day, it's about making hires. And where else can you expand your reach across 30,000 sites? Your candidates are everywhere online with AppCast. Your jobs will be too. So check them out at appcast.io. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour, Shelly. Oh, hi, Serge. I think that translates into hello. Your French is getting really good. You know what I was thinking, Shelly? Chad and Cheese are doing the show in different language, leveraging AI. I think we need to figure out how to do a French-Canadian show. So either you learn French, hopefully you can get on that right away, or we need to figure out AI so we can do a French-Canadian show. There's a massive market, Quebec, Atlantic, Canada. A lot of French-speaking people. This is our market. Yeah. I'm going to get on it. I know a lot Are of French more? words, like fromage <laughs> and tranché. And, uh, Was French immersion like, a thing when you were going to school? Not really. No? Not really. No. N- certainly not in Western Canada. It wasn't. And even being able to take a French class wasn't offered until like grade seven, eight, nine. Yeah. So our kids, it's almost part of the curriculum. In most schools that you take French. Brooklyn took French from kindergarten till grade six. When we went to Paris, she did really well. Of course, they're so charmed by her attempt at French that they just smile and they're just so heartwarmed by it. But my situation in Paris was very different because French is my first language. When I spoke French there, they would speak to me in English. They just didn't <laughs> believe I was really French. And my accent is obviously different than Paris French, but... Anyways, this week is Blue Monday, right? Yes, it was. And it was also a holiday in the US on Monday. And I don't know, because a lot of my clients are in the US. And it just seemed like this Monday just ground to a halt. I almost wished it was a Friday. (laughs) It was so slow. What about you? How are you feeling this third week in January? 
what I like about living in Western Canada is just the days of sun that we get. I'm like probably 12 hours a day in my basement. So every day I try to go walk and see the sun. So I don't really get bummed out by January, even though like we are in the depth of Canadian winter. So it can be very depressing. Let's just say I'm looking forward to spring and summer, but it is what it is, right? We live here. Yeah. I think people who are maybe susceptible to the shifts in weather maybe find it a bit of a bummer. But I think the whole idea of Blue Monday is more like now all the bills came in from Christmas spending. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm like, oh, shit, we better get back to work. <laughs> so, Shelly, I learned a new word today or a new phrase that the teenagers are all using, and it's called soaking. So I'm not going to explain what it is, but please mm-hmm. Google it, and I'm sure your kids will know exactly what that means. But let's jump into the <laughs> okay. tip of the day that recruiters can use right okay. away. And we've talked about influencer marketing, but we've also talked about how we can leverage video a lot more in what we do. And I don't know if anyone listening has recorded a lot of videos. It's really challenging. It will take me 20 to 30 takes to record a video. Then I found this website called bigview.tv. So B-I-G-V-U.tv. And it's really cool what it does. Basically, you type in what your script is going to be. And as you're recording the video, it's basically a teleprompter. The words scroll down to the length of the video that you're looking for. You can make adjustments. So you're looking directly at the phone and you're getting the words in front of you. I don't know if you've seen videos of people looking like to the side or looking to the right. And this way you can look natural, but also be very succinct in what you're saying. Check out bigview.tv. I think it's a tip for anyone that wants to record content for recruitment marketing. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's not a natural thing to look at a screen. Like I think those on TikTok that are making a killing at it have perfected it, right? But it's not their first take, that's for sure. Great tip, Serge. <laughs> on to some industry news. My friend Scott Sessions over at Talvesta had some exciting news this week. They are going to merge with a company called Clovers.ai that went out on the wire on Wednesday. What I really loved about it, Clovers.ai is probably nobody's ever heard of it, but you are now in that they are two former execs from Hireview that have now taken all the structure of Talvista, which is structured interviewing, ensure everybody stays on side, asking the right questions. You know the answers to the questions you're asking job seekers, and you're not going off script. Adding that to video interviews is what this merge is all about. I think it's a really clever combination of two companies. Well, I know how you feel about video interviewing. So I was thinking you're like, oh, this is a bad move. So the difference of one async, I'm not a fan, but video interviewing all day long. Because you're actually interacting with the other human. Okay, so, so this what, is not async. This is no, Zoom this, this or whatever is, type of interview. It is not like a teleprompter, like your video recording tool. But when you're going into an interview with the job seeker, it's a video platform that is secure. And it lifts right off Zoom and Teams, which most people already have. So you don't have to download anything, typically. But it ensures that your hiring managers aren't asking off-sided questions. 
because you've got the structure and the format yeah. of Telvista. So exciting stuff to come. I know Telvista has been around for six, seven years. And then looking at Clovers.ai has only been around for two years and only has 100 clients. So I was surprised that Clovers.ai is the main acquisition. Acquirer. Main acquirer. <laughs> the main acquirer. Exactly. Yes. So that yes. was a little bit surprising and not a lot of people have probably heard about Telvista as well. Do check it out. The so. new name is going to be Clovers.ai. Clover. Yeah. They're going to sunset the Telvista name. Are they Irish? Oh, no. Not that I know of. Why the name Clovers, it seems. Oh. Well, we'll have to get them on the show and ask them. I don't yeah. know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Where'd you come but, up with that name? <laughs> that's your favorite question. You always love figuring out where the name came from. So I do. I do. There you go. Hey, we got some updates on layoffs. Uh, layoffs. <laughs> yes. And a bit of a reality check with all the layoff of tech workers. There was a great article in Sherm this week that talked about the fact that 79% of tech workers that were laid off have a new job, <laughs> certainly within three months, and more than half of them are working within 30 days. So yes, people are being laid off, and it's shocking and traumatic, but people are bouncing back pretty quick. They are. You probably saw the news this morning that Microsoft laid off 10K or 5% of the workforce, which is just massive. So yes. I agree. A lot of these people are finding jobs really quickly because I think the stats in the U.S. is for every person, there's 1.9 jobs, which is yeah. lower than what it used to be. But I still think it's going to be a challenge for a lot of people because that's still 20% of people are not finding jobs within 90 days. I don't know if this is going to continue, that these people are going to have the ability to find jobs as quickly as they have because the layoffs, we've only hit the tip of the iceberg. This is going to be a story for 2023. We're going to see layoffs across every sector. And there's going to be a time that it's going to take a lot longer for these people to find jobs. So I don't want to be pessimistic. I see what the data says here. I don't know if the data will say the same in December of these people finding jobs within 90 days, but I guess we'll find out then. Yeah. Well, you're right. The Wall Street Journal was saying that jobs still outpace unemployed workers. Yeah. And we got a little catching up to do. I don't think it's quite the drama. Do you know what part of Microsoft did the layoffs? I didn't read it. I just saw the oh. headline before the show. So I know it's 10K and 5%. Okay. You wanted me to actually do research on this, Shelly? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, man. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Moving on, recruiting insights. There was an article in Fast Company late last week or over the weekend that caught fire. And it's something we talked about when we first started the show. And it's something you're kind of HR famous for talking about. And that is whether recruitment should report to HR. It sent off a little bit of a firestorm of conversations on LinkedIn. It went on to talk about you know, the answer here is really having a chief talent officer that reports directly to the CEO. I know that's not news to you at all, but the title for years has been used as chief technology officer. That's oh, a bad title. I hate that. Yeah. I don't know where they came up with that, but it was interesting to see this article as why talent acquisition should not be part of HR and not be bound by what they refer to as HR's red tape. 
because it's about generating revenue and hiring the right people. All the themes that are really in sync with what we've talked about from the beginning. Serge, was there anything in this article that kind of gave you, yeah, I was right all along? Yeah, there's some things that I agree and some things I disagreed with. But if we highlight the key points, like chief talent officers should have crucial recruiting experience that we don't see very much from CHROs. Yeah, there's not many that are still coming from the talent acquisition side of HR. The other one that they state is recruiting requires relationship building, which is something that we're very strong at, but it's not necessarily something that HR is very strong in. So I completely agree. The point they had here about being bound by HR's red tape is the biggest challenge that talent acquisition internally deals with. I completely agree with that. I'll give you an example. In sales. Yeah. We don't work with a lot of red tape because if you cannot move quickly, obviously you need process Mm -hmm. and you need systems in place, but red tape really kills the sales process if it goes on too long. And we see that in talent acquisition and the mindset of creating revenue. Like there is an argument out there that there is no more revenue generation role than talent acquisition and recruitment. There's a couple of things they pointed out though, that I disagreed. I'll read to you what they said. Your CTO should be highly trained executive recruiter or headhunter. This person will work to staff your company partnership with the executive team and every manager down the line. Here is my issue. Highly trained executive recruiter or headhunter, I don't think is the fit to lead a real talent acquisition department. Nothing against them. I'll have them on my team every day. But generally, they don't understand the systems and the process, even though I said we shouldn't have as much, but you still need technology that's outside advertising, recruitment, marketing. These are all elements Mm -hmm. that an executive recruiter has almost no experience with. I will agree with most of it, with the exception that you should have someone with deep talent acquisition experience and knowledge. I am so glad you called that out because that is something I highlighted in the article as well. This assumes that they're actually going to do executive search. Like a chief technology officer is involved in the tactics of executive search within your organization. That's the stupidest shit I ever heard. That in fact, even job- the Chief talent officer, right? Not chief technology officer, you mean there. What did I say? A chief I'm technology sorry. officer. No. That's why the chief, title sucks, Shelly. I know. CTO, chief like. talent officer is actually doing recruiting inside the company. No, they're not. Do you know a single VP or executive VP that is actually down in the weeds doing the job of all the people that report to them? No, no, they're not. They're not. So yeah, it did call into question just how well-researched these guys were, but yeah, I'm yeah. glad you called that out. So, so there's one thing that I've changed my mind since we first started doing the podcast, because I used to think that, recruitment, talent acquisition should report into marketing. And I've gone away from that. I completely have changed my perspective. It should not be in marketing, should not be in sales, should not be in supply chain. These are all options that we gave in the past. I think it has to be its own department. A hundred percent. You should have a marketer in there into this division, but it should not report into marketing. And we had Jim Durbin, the Indeed Whisper on, and the episode will appear soon. But he made a really good point that if you look at what we do in talent acquisition, even if you're the most modern recruitment marketer, 
you're still 15 years back to what product or consumer marketing is. So have your own department, have a marketer inside the division, I think is a better way to do it. I still think HR and talent acquisition need to work very closely together, but they don't need to be in the same department. Agreed. Good point. Another good point, Serge. Oh, Oh, you're on fire today. Fire. You are. We will be right back after this message from our friends at Rectex. Shelly, let's face it. Texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And Mm. it's not even legally compliant. Mm, This is where our friends at Rectex come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans. Next topic, this is very Canadian-centric, Randstad. Canada released its top 15 jobs for 2023 and pay ranges. I just wanted to roll through a couple that I found surprising and maybe not so surprising. So not surprising at all is software developer pay range of 68,000 to 155,000. Nothing surprising there. It hit number one on the list. So that skill set is not going away. What was interesting was HR manager. I didn't even notice two. HR manager. Oh, yeah, there HR it is. manager yeah. was number two. And the salary range of 75 to 156. I didn't realize HR managers made up to 156. More mm. surprising about the salary range. The other big surprise for me was administrative assistant. Do you know, for all the advances in technology, I always thought that by the year 2023, if you're an admin assistant, you're pretty much redundant. Everything that admins would have done in the past is now at your fingertips. There's an app for that. So I was really surprised to see that make the top list of the top 15 jobs. Anything on this list that surprised you? Or maybe that wasn't on the list that you thought would be? Yeah, nothing surprised me. I think the interesting one is the software developer. And what we're going to start seeing is I'm going to call a new role that is going to be very closely associated with software developer, but is a little bit different with the advent of so many tools that can be leveraged and almost replace a lot of the tasks that say a software developer does on a day-to-day basis. There's going to be a new role in the next two to three years called a prompt engineer. Someone that can leverage chat GPT and chat GPT, just to give you a heads up, it's just the tip of the iceberg. What's coming down the pipeline is insane, right? Like our worlds are ready to get rocked in the next couple of years. It's going to be fun. fun. It's going to be a little Mm -hmm. scary. Someone that has deep technical knowledge to know what type of questions to ask these tools to get the answers that you need is going to be a critical skill set. I think that's one of the roles that's not on this list two years from now that will be on the list. Like you mentioned, all the other roles, very straightforward. The drivers are not going to go away, even though we talk about automation. It's not going to go away in the short term. Nurses, Mm -hmm. CSR, sales associates, these are all roles that we're going to need that are going to be challenging to fill in the next little while. 
the admin assistant, I'm not shocked, Shelly. The admin assistant is coming back in a lot of ways. It's just the tools they use to do their jobs are going to be a lot more advanced. You still need to learn these tools. You still need to set them up. This right. is where an admin assistant is going to come in yeah, for and sure. be very tech savvy. An admin assistant is no longer the admin assistant that we think about 20, 30, 40 years ago where they're just- They make coffee. They yeah. make coffee or- And answer errands. the phone. Yeah. It's going to be a very technical role. The ones that yeah. will succeed will have a deep understanding of technology. The one that I did want to call out, and I'm not surprised, is the digital marketing coordinator. This used to be a role that was only in agencies, right? Like advertising mm -hmm. agencies. Every company needs one. If you have any type of social media presence, it is very time consuming. What was the pay rate, actually? I need to go it back. It was 62 to 122. Yeah, you're going to pay someone 60 to 70, 80 for that role because yeah. it's going to save you so much time. That one is going to be one that is going to be on the list for a long time because every company is going to need one. Do you know one other one I just wanted to mention? It was one of those jobs that we said would eventually disappear, and that's the bookkeeper. Yeah. Because now you've got tools like Pluto and Dext and QuickBooks. Like, do you really need a bookkeeper? And interestingly enough, again, the tools are getting better, but you still need somebody who's got the skills to understand how bookkeeping works, myself included. And the other thing is when you think about any company, should, say, the president or one of the executives be spending their time on things like reconciling a bank statements? No, no. A skilled bookkeeper should be able to do it for you. And same thing with admin assistant. It's being able to delegate tasks that are not the best and highest use of each individual. So I'm no good at this. Therefore, you hire someone who is good at it. There's actually a great book that came out yesterday called Buy Back Your Time. It goes through the whole principle of how you should delegate your tasks. And obviously, it's a principle that you know well, Shelley, but it's been a fascinating read. So check it out. Hmm. Back Your Time by Dan Martell. Awesome. Great, great tip. Another tip. Okay. Moving on, changing subjects here. We have for years cringed at some of the stupid ass job titles that people come up with. Thinking back to the job board days where you were encouraged to come up with these wild and wacky job titles that somehow people would relate to. There was a great article on bbc.com that talked about there is some upside to this flashy attraction, not calling yourself just human resources or just recruitment. Now we're saying talent acquisition. We do it ourselves as well. So the standard title of talent acquisition is now up to 75% versus just using the title of recruitment is down 19% just since 2019. Cautionary tale of this creative thinking in job titles is it can sometimes lead to people really being oversold yep. a job, finding a new title for it, a new way to describe it. It can be a bit of bait and switch or flash in the pan. So these tools in the wrong hands can really lead to disappointment for the job seekers, but also hiring the wrong person. You got so carried away in, in trying to zhuzh up this job ad that you lost sight of the fact that it's really just a, a shitty job and it's boring and nobody really wants it. It's a PR move. 
Yeah. Yeah, it is. I don't know if that's my biggest concern with it. I have a lot of thoughts around this. The first mm-hmm. thing you mentioned as far as talent acquisition, replacing a recruiter, I'm like, yeah, we're doing the wrong thing here because we are not understanding the difference between talent acquisition and recruitment, even though that's what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Talent acquisition is understanding the whole life cycle. A recruiter is someone that like, They talk to candidates, they get them through the process. They could be sourcing them. They could be posting them on job boards. But reality of their job is they're recruiting people. Talent acquisition, in my opinion, should be for talent acquisition leaders, people that have a deep understanding of the whole flow and the process and understanding of how advertising fits in, how sourcing fits in, how recruitment marketing fits in. We are doing this in HR and we don't even understand what our own titles mean. The other one in HR that drives me crazy is people and culture. I'm cool with calling it people, talent, whatever that is. But when you start blending in culture, I'm like, we're thinking pretty highly of ourselves (laughs) in HR to think that we really deeply affect the culture on a day-to-day basis. We put in our title, we are in charge of culture. And a lot of people in HR, no offense to HR listeners, think that culture is pizza parties and ping pong tables and all of that Mm -hmm. bullshit, right? That's the first thing I wanted to call out. We do it wrong in our end. Then, you know that I worked in job boards, right? And these titles drive me insane because I'm like, you're killing yourself. You're putting titles that people don't search. People find you on Google, but also on job boards. Mm -hmm. They search titles. So now we're creating roles that don't exist. No one searches for, and we're not getting quality applicants. We don't even know some of the titles they call like chief innovation evangelist. Like what the fuck is that? So before I go a little bit deeper, what's your thoughts about if you're hiring a recruiter, you should put a recruiter, not talent acquisition. Am I wrong before I move on? Well, you will not get an argument out of me on that. Serge, come on. You know, to try and judge it up by calling it talent acquisition. Again, it's like a headline grabber or maybe a PR move trying to attract the right person. Because if you've got half a brain cell in your head, you're going to read the whole job ad. And as soon as you get down to the part that says you will be involved in the day-to-day recruiting, full cycle recruiting activities, you know that's 90% of the time. Yeah, It just sounds more sexy. It could be oversold because if you really are a talent acquisition person, it would be your own dumbass move to not ask the tough questions in the interview process. What exactly are you trying to accomplish? Because if you need a recruiter, that's not me, right? Being oversold by the title, we should be the last group of people to be sucked in by that. I don't even like talent acquisition. If I had my choice and rebrand this, I would call it talent attraction, which is, to me, way better than talent acquisition. Acquisition just seems off, right? It feels like we're acquiring some type of asset, which I guess you could call human assets, a really good company does talent attraction well. The other factor is those titles, when it comes to people searching for jobs or finding them on job boards or Google, what's your take there? I guess there's two sides to that. If you use this broad generic title, like sales rep, 
I think is too generic and vague, but I agree you still need to have simple, specific language that job seekers can actually find you. If you use a broad category, like just sales rep, well, you can expect everything in the kitchen sink Yep. in terms of applicants. And I wonder how the quality of how the job ad is written, because even just three, four years ago, like having this explanation of who you are as a company, a bit more about this department, we've got to find a balance somewhere in between there. What exactly is this job? What are you going to be doing? Why do you need these skills in order to do the job? And specific enough so that job seekers can actually very clearly, quickly see what is the job. Sales is a really good example because there is a lot of roles in sales that we're used to. You will see BDR, business development rep. You'll see SDR, sales development rep. You'll see account executive. You'll see account manager. Those titles to me, I'm okay with because people do search for that. And a lot of job boards understand what it means. Where I think I'm going with is like, I've seen chief smiles officer, which is basically (laughs) a receptionist. Like no one's going to find and do that correlation. But if you're a sales rep, you're going to look at BDR. You're going to look at SDR, account executive. But if you're a receptionist, are you going to look for chief smiles officer? That's where it gets really wonky, in my opinion. Yes, and very outdated. If you think that's how it works these days. So we're here to tell you, audience members, it's about making sure your job titles match what people are looking for but specific enough because sales, again, can be retail sales. Be as specific enough so that people understand what the job is. Retail sales is clear. Telephone sales, online sales, at least have one qualifier in the title, but don't go overboard. Yeah. I think there's always examples of companies that have their own internal titles, but doesn't mean that's what it should be externally. I worked for a company that we hired two different skill sets. So robots, which was software developers and pencils, which were creatives. Internally, they would have titles with robot in the title and they loved it. It was a great kind of how we explain the company and it was really good for our culture. But when I went out to advertise the jobs, I wasn't putting a robot in any way. I was putting software developer. There's one other point here. It's a little bit related, but wanted to get your thoughts on it, especially with startups and smaller companies putting titles like vice president and there's three people in the company and they have two years of experience, which causes a lot of confusion in the market because they think, hey, I have a VP title now. I can be a VP anywhere. And I'm going to apply at Apple at a vice president position. Let's be a little bit more careful with our titles that it also brings experience, knowledge, because it's giving a lot of confidence to people that maybe is not realistic. But what's your take on that? Am I overthinking that one? No, not at all. Not at all. A trigger for me has always been the job title that was director of. In my experience in the corporate world, you made somebody a director of strategic projects, one, because they probably commanded a salary that was higher than a manager, but not a vice president. And you're not about to create another vice president role. It was almost like the kiss of death. It was designed to have an expiry date. Yeah. Because we had to create this level within the organization. And so we called it director of. But again, maybe it's incumbent upon us in recruitment 
to drill down farther and ask those questions because quantifying the fact that you were VP of revenue for a company with 60 employees, but the revenue was close to a billion dollars versus 5 million. Yeah, It's really important to understand and to quantify what was the scope of your role. And I'm never dazzled by VP or even president titles because you could be president of a company with 10 employees, but they generate $55 million a year. Yeah. I think job seekers that look just at the title and say, well, I was a VP here, that translates directly. It doesn't. No, I agree. The advice for recruiters or talent acquisition people is make sure your titles when you're advertising those jobs are relevant to what people actually search. Always put yourself in the job seeker's seat. If I was looking for this job, what title would I search? That's how you're going to be found. Great. Perfect, Shelly. Another great week. And I forgot at the top of the show, we finish runner up as the best recruitment marketing podcast. And we weren't even on the list of nominees. And when I say nominees, they just pick five podcasts in the industry and they didn't include us. So yeah. if we would have been on that list, I think Chad and Cheese would have been in trouble. But thank you for the audience to go in and check the other and put manually the recruitment flex. We really appreciate that. Finish second to Chad and Cheese. I guess they're pretty good at what they do. So we'll give them yeah. kudos. But Fuck those guys, right? Like they can't keep winning everything. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love you, Chad Joel. Yes. Thank you so much, Serge. I'm glad you took that initiative and got us on the list. Oh, we're going to be on a lot of lists because a lot of people listen to us. So we need to start winning awards. I want like a trophy case in the back of me here and my Zoom background with all the awards we've won. Shelly, have a fantastic weekend. Always a pleasure. And everyone, thank you for listening. Love seeing reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify that are coming in. Please keep doing it. It gives us better visibility so more people listen to the brilliance of Shelly Billinghurst. Oh, gee, thanks, sir. Have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. We'll talk soon. Hi, my name is Sarah. And I want to tell you about my podcast called, Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing Business Bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.